0: earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. We are spiritual beings having a human
1: experience. This is unityonlineradio.org, the voice of an awakening world.
0: Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery. Here's Rev. Dan Beckett.
2: Yes, welcome to the Spirit of Recovery on Unity Online Radio. We are glad you're with us today. I'm Rev. Dan Beckett, here with co-host Rev. Michelle Vargas. Together, we share ways that spirituality and addiction recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth on your own recovery journey.
3: Facebook users, you can send us your questions and comments anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Just click the send message button right below the banner and be assured that your anonymity will always be respected. So please let us know what's on your mind. We'd love to hear from you.
2: Today's show is titled, We Came to Believe. When we're in early recovery, the idea of a life of peace and joy seems very far away. The good news is that we can get there, but first we must extricate ourselves from the disarray of an undirected life. We can then learn to trust a higher power, thus opening the door to sanity and hope. Today, we wanna share our experience, strength, and hope on moving from disarray to genuine peace and joy through coming to believe in a higher power.
3: We want to share with you what we were like before, what happened, and what we are like now, along with a spiritual tool or principle that helped guide us through the tough times. We hope you'll find something in our experience that will be helpful to you in your own recovery. So today we're going to be talking about moving from that disarray of the undirected life to a life of sanity and hope through the principle of coming to believe in a higher power.
2: When I think about that word disarray or an undirected life uh, the first thing that comes to mind is that i i always felt like so you know basically my i guess my entire life up to and through and into recovery even and still today to some degree always felt like that whatever i needed i had to do it myself right i had to make it happen i had to go get it and it's that's it's you know that's problematic in a lot of ways. One way that I've learned is that things are so much easier if I just allow both uh, the spirit to be involved, but then also other people yeah. to be involved. I don't have to do everything myself. I don't have to figure everything out myself and literally do everything myself. But for whatever reason, I got that idea very early on in life and have uh, hung on to that. I'm going to do it. Leave me alone. I'll do it myself for some reason it was safer. I can only assume it was safer for me. And I mean, psychologically, emotionally, right. To, to not get involved with other people, to not ask for help, you know, and be vulnerable in that way. Yeah. So I'm not exactly sure why that comes to mind when I think about disarray, but it absolutely fits for me when I think about an undirected life, because I was the director Right. Mm-hmm. So our, our literature talks about us, uh, you know, being the director and sort of having a role for everybody and everyone's supposed to act the way we think they're supposed to act yeah. or else something's wrong. And we try and make it that way. And, you know, I've heard that one of the things I need to do early on is fire myself <laughs> as the director of this show. So I don't have to do everything and everything doesn't have to go my way.
3: Yes, I have heard that that kind of super independence and need to do everything ourselves can also be a trauma response. You know, like you said, in many ways, it was emotionally safer for you to be in charge. So I have a similar experience. I'm an only child, um, have a very small family. So I literally was alone a lot of the time growing up and just sort of learned to be very self-reliant and um That made it hard for me. I I love people and I'm very extroverted, but um, it can still be challenging for me to, um, to rely on other people to, I I can still be sort of a, you know, do it all myself kind of person. And I think for the same reason that you said, it's like, it's just safer to uh, handle everything myself And, um, I think maybe it's a control issue, you know, even if I don't do it very well or know what I'm doing, at least I'm in control, right? I'm the one controlling things. But basically what we're talking about in this first section is, um, a life before coming to believe in a higher power, right? So yeah, that's what it was like for me. There was no one, it was just me. There was no, uh you know, who was I going to rely on? I had to do it all myself. It's sort of, sort of in actuality of like, in terms of not allowing people to help me, but just cosmically feeling like, I mean, I can't, it's hard for me to even remember what it was like to not believe in a loving, supportive, higher power, because it's such an important part of my life now, but um, not having that, the opposite of that, you know, meant that I had to be The one literally directing and controlling everything, and 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 it's a—it was a feeling of um, no safety net. You know, it's like, well, if I do screw up, who's going to save me? Nobody, because I am literally running this whole show, which we know is an illusion, but it's something that the ego dreams up in order to feel powerful and in control. You know, and I'm just really glad I don't have to live that way anymore.
2: Yeah, me too, and it, it's an ongoing practice. I, I still uh, now you're recognizing places where I uh, apparently am not willing to let go and let God, or eat, or let yeah. I have a I have an old habit that hangs on, um, you know, and maybe that's some of the more sort of tenuous things, the more maybe the deeper fears or whatever. For me, it, it's still around issues of money, financial insecurity that kind of thing Mm -hmm. which is way way better than it ever was but I still find myself thinking you know this is too important for God I need to take care of this Mm. (laughs) and I'm like where is that coming from why do I seem to really believe that that's true I mean I can watch myself believing that that is true yeah and uh, you know it's just an ongoing we, we talk about our journey Uh, in terms of expansion you know expansion of consciousness right growth over time progress not perfection and so there's always going to be something that um, will you know come to my attention my growing edge or whatever it is I'm never going to be perfect I'm not aiming for perfection just ongoing um, you know I guess practice yeah ongoing improvement if you will so that's something that still comes up for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't run my life, but I can really see that things would be better if I could let that go. And so it's it's kind of actually front and center for me this week for whatever reason. Uh-huh. So I just notice it. You know, that's what I try to do. Just notice it. Be here now. As Ram Dass said, I got that book for Christmas. It's a trip. Yeah. I knew about it, but I had never read it. Um, but the bottom line is in the title. Just be here now, wherever you are, right here, right now. Bring it in, bring it in. Yeah. And so I practice that.
3: Yeah, that's deep. That's profound. If we could just do that, so much of the trouble we cause for ourselves would would just fall away. If we could just focus on what's happening right now. Earth, yeah. The other thing I realize about you know my life, sort of my pre higher power life is that not only did I not believe that there was this loving supportive higher power on my side to which I could um, turn and uh, to which I could turn everything over. I also just didn't really believe that the universe was a friendly place in general. You know, I think those two kind of go together um, when there's no belief in a higher power, then there's this sort of, you know, it's me against the universe kind of thing, and that was not a very comfortable, safe, friendly feeling either. And and that really shifted when I got into recovery and when I found unity, because those things happened fairly closely together for me. And so, you know, my evolving understanding of God in recovery was deeply influenced by my um, involvement in unity. But, you know, I just remember hearing those concepts because they I did hear them in both 12-step recovery and in unity. This idea that the universe is, you know, working in your favor, that the, that all things work together for good, that the universe has got your back, so to speak. And, you know, everything that happens is happening for a reason and it's all for your ongoing unfoldment. And, you know, all of these were new concepts to me. I was not taught those things growing up. And so that was like a huge shift for me. And pretty much forms the basis of my life today. You know, it doesn't mean that I don't struggle or get fearful or try to control, you know, I'm still human, but when I can step back, like you said, be in the now and remember those principles, I do truly believe that in general, the universe is a safe, friendly place that is ultimately conspiring for my growth. Now, what constitutes my growth may not be what I feel like doing on any given day, (laughs) And, and, but I, I am, when I'm in a good place, I'm able to recall that even during the tough times, like I can say, you know, this thing that I'm going through right now really is not a lot of fun and I hate it, but I do believe that this whole thing is going somewhere good and that it's all for my highest good. It's all for my soul's unfoldment. um And that is just such a different way of being in the universe than believing that the universe is out to get me or You know, that I've got to sort of always watch my back or, you know, that bad things happen to good people, which is a whole other discussion. But you know what I mean? Just that kind of fatalistic, like, that I'm not safe in the universe, that I've got to, I think that's where that need for control came from. And so once I began to shift that and believe that I was safe in the universe, then I don't have to try to control as much.
2: It's those messages like, you know, it's a dog-eat-dog world, and if you want something done right, you got to do it yourself. All that kind of stuff that's floating around now. There's lots of other stuff floating around too, but it's it's to me it's easy to see how I would a, a land in that place.
3: Yeah, that's true. That's what our and, culture and teaches.
2: There's support for it when I look for it. Now yeah. the opposite's also true. When I look right. for different things, I find support for those things as well. So I don't know that the messages in society made me that way more that those are the ones I found when, you know, when I figured it was that way anyway, Mm -hmm. like it's a, like life's a zero sum game. If, if I'm going to do better, you have to do worse or somebody has to do worse in order for me to do better. And I don't believe that anymore. I also know that I tried to feel better by either doing or getting Like doing something or not doing something or getting something, maybe getting rid of something, but usually by getting Mm -hmm. something. This concept of being did not, was not in my inner world's vocabulary. Mm -hmm. Everything was about doing or getting. I got to do stuff to get stuff. You know, I want this cool, uh, you know, gadget or toy or this cool Mm -hmm. phone or whatever. It could be anything, you know, cars, the list is endless. Yeah, Uh, and so that was kind of my solution to everything. Was well, what you know, it's forward looking. What can I go get? What can I do? What do I need to do? And it was only uh, when I got into recovery, or got into unity, and then into recovery, that I began began to become familiar with the concept of uh, being, and I liked the. I like the phrase, we're, we're a human being, not a human a human doing.
3: I like that one, too. Right? Yeah,
2: because it reminds me that being is is very natural to me. I just I have forgotten how, and it's unfamiliar because I have these ingrained old habits. Yeah. You know, old habits of mind. Well, we've talked a lot here about the disarray of an undirected life. But let's now move out of the problem and into the solution. So, Reverend Michelle, what is the solution?
3: Well, in unity, we affirm that all of life is governed by spiritual principles. And the spiritual principle that we have found helpful in moving out of that disarray of an undirected life and into sanity and hope is simply a belief in a higher power or God of our own understanding.
2: But a higher power, as we know or quickly learn, means different things to different people. What's most important, though, is not what someone else might consider their higher power to be, but what you consider your conception of a higher power, or as we say, God is you understand God to be. That's what matters most. Mm-hmm. So, Michelle, when you think about uh, coming to believe in a higher power, what was that experience like? What, how'd that happen for you? What happened?
3: Oh my gosh, this is like my favorite topic and I could talk about this for an hour easily just uh, because this was such a life-changing thing for me. And, you know, I don't know why I was able to have such a great experience of God when so many people have such a hard time with the God concept, you know, because I certainly had the negative connotations of God that, you know, we can get in our culture or in the maybe the churches that we grew up in um, definitely a misunderstanding of God that uh, pervades a lot of our culture you know um, so many people have an idea of a a punishing God or a vengeful God or you know that God made this or that thing happen or a a, what do you call it a a whimsical God um, is that the word I want? Capricious. capricious God. Yeah, that's right. Right, right. The God God who makes up
2: in a bad mood one day.
3: No, the God that makes your football team win and my football team lose, that kind of thing. So, you know, that was all out there. That was all in my orbit. But I think the difference for me was um, I so early in recovery, as I started hearing all this God stuff, so to speak, you know, I, I heard from people to just, just spend time in prayer and see what it what it ended up being for me. You know, let God reveal God's self to me. And my experience was that God did reveal God's self to me. When I began to spend time in prayer and uh, reach out to this higher power that I was coming to know, um, it was like opening the door, just the tiniest crack, and this God came rushing in. That's how I describe it, you know. Uh, so rather than thinking about what I thought God was, I was beginning to experience God. So the God of my understanding today is a God of my experience. Now, my intellect all the time tries to figure out what God is, right? Right. I mean that's what theology is, right is this sort of mental gymnastics of trying to you know trying to intellectualize and understand and write about you know and talk about what God is, and all of that is part of the journey, but to me, where the rubber meets the road is when I go for a walk in the forest or you know sit down in prayer, you know what is what is the bible verse close the door to our room and, you know, go and spend time with the God of our own understanding. The God that shows up then is, is what really, um, is my unfolding understanding of God. And the thing is, is it's so hard to even talk about. It's so hard to describe or explain to another person. Um, but we have to have that direct experience of God. You know, that's the important thing we can talk about God all day long, but, We've got to go and meet God for ourselves, and that is the God that begins to take shape for us, is the God of our own experience, not so much, you know, we love, we like to say the God of our understanding, but I think it's really the God of our own experience.
2: Yeah, and, and uh, I'm glad you said that. I hadn't thought about it until you just said that, and for me, it's a combination of both. I remember that all this God stuff was a strange and vague undertaking for me at first and I'm very idea oriented I like ideas I like understanding how things work and so I'm I like theology and I like uh bible history and and text criticism and all that stuff and I think it has great value but like you um to me it, it has to be in service of the experience right that the experience is is um is the thing
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: everything else supports that experience. You know, maybe offers some direction or some context or some um, means of communication with others. That's important too. And I'm—I feel fortunate that um, the place I really began to get this. And again, I got—I got sober. A few years after I found unity, and probably about a year after I really got serious about my spiritual growth path, I was still drinking, and uh, and so I feel fortunate that I got these sort of broad and open um, concepts. Mm-hmm. This, you know, kind of the opposite. My experience in a, in a more traditional. Uh, church, and there's nothing wrong with the traditional church, there's nothing wrong with the orthodoxy, but I, my gut was telling me that this can't be like a Simon Says kind of thing, there, there, there's something, there has to be more going on than just kind of getting all this right, air quotes, getting it right in the eyes of this other person, mm-hmm. this parent or, you know, whoever, pastor, Sunday school teacher, uh, you know, other kid, who who knows, whatever, that just never sat right with me. And so when I, when I found myself in unity, I, I found some breathing room that I didn't realize that I really needed yeah. in order to find my way to, uh, to the spirit, in know, a, in, a, in a way that's meaningful for me and continues to be. And so from there, I started hanging around with a bunch of other weirdos like me, I used to just say they were weirdos, but I was there too, um, doing these spiritual growth workshops on the weekend and doing stuff like firewalking and sharing with the group what's really going on. Mm -hmm. I'd never been anywhere like that before. And so I saw it working Mm -hmm. in a bunch of different people in a bunch of different ways. And people had beliefs that I didn't share. And who cares? You know, who, who made me write? And to say, well, this exists, but that doesn't exist, or that you can't look at it that way because I don't like it. It doesn't matter. <clears throat> but what everyone had in common was a deep experience of the divine in their lives, and we were all seekers. So I'm like, okay, I I can I sort of got it just by being in community with other folks who were on a similar journey, and um, that strange and vague undertaking. Uh, continued to be strange but not quite as vague and it really started to make a huge difference in my life to the point where um, I realized that uh, my drinking was a huge problem it -hmm. was I was not going to get anywhere until it was like my mental image is that it was a it was a gigantic boulder sitting right in the middle of my spiritual growth path. Yeah. I could not go under it, around it, or over it. I was going nowhere until I dealt with this. Yeah. And that turned out to be exactly right. That was, I intuited that. That was, you know, that was God quote telling, you know, not in words, but you know, showing me what was mine to do.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: I did it. And it and it worked and it was right. It was yeah. it was good guidance.
3: Yeah. You know, you were talking about Ram Dass and, um, wait, that's who you're talking about, right? Yeah. And, yeah, about, Ram Dass being yeah, here now. and about being here now. And, you know, I've come to believe more and more that, uh, spirituality is about awaken, awakeness, um, you know, being awake and alert and present. Um, as much as possible. And if you think about it, alcohol and drugs and such are sort of the opposite of that. I mean, that's like, yeah, yeah. that takes us out of awakeness. And so um, it can be a real impediment if it's something that we're doing all the time. Yeah, I love that you talked about, you know, I, as you know, I'm a kind of a Bible theology geek too. And I do love the discussion and the, you know, trying to wrap my brain around things and stuff. And and that there's nothing wrong with that um and and it can inform our evolving understanding of god uh you know i was talking about having that direct experience of the higher power and i think that you know they inform one another the both things are valid but i for me i still believe that like 30 seconds of being in that direct experience of god is better than or at least equal to you know hours and hours of talking about theology or trying to intellectualize god or whatever because when i think about it i've had a very few sort of um you know what what one might call mystical encounters or mystical experiences where i i literally felt a presence of god um very very short periods of time but those are the things that anchor my faith you know I can talk about things and read about things and I do I'm a minister that's a big part of our job you know but um all of those things are sort of checked against that 30 seconds of experiencing God you know so when I read about well God is blah 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 then I go hmm is that what I experienced when I literally had that direct experience of God and so um that that's what I love about unity And this is true to a large extent with 12-step recovery, but I love that in unity, we are told to check inside, you know, to go within, to have our own experience of the divine. And the more I work in ministry and read and learn and grow, the more I truly believe that God shows up differently for each and every one of us. So, Anytime someone tries to pin God down and say, well, God is this, it's going to be true for some, and it's going to be not true for others. You know, I mean, God is the full spectrum of, of all experience, everything we can imagine, and then we have to remember that we're still imagining it from our human perspective. How do redwood trees experience God? You know, how do the the otters I saw swimming out in the Monterey Bay yesterday, how do they experience God? Because in my my cosmic understanding of things, of the cosmos, of the universe, those beings, their experience is just as important as mine. So not to get off on that tangent, but I'm just saying that we're still coming from a human perspective.
2: And I I try to remember that whatever I think I know, there's more to it than that. Absolutely. There's more to it than that. Well, let's hold that thought because it is time for a short break. And when we come back, we'll continue the conversation. We hope that you'll stay with us.
1: You're listening to UnityOnlineRadio.org, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery.
2: Yes, welcome back. We're glad you're with us today. If you're just joining us, my name is Reverend Dan Beckett, here with co-host Reverend Michelle Vargas. We will resume our discussion in a moment, but first, we want to remind you that you can send us your questions and feedback anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Message us from there and let us know what's on your mind.
3: Prior to the break, we were discussing in the first segment, the disarray of an undirected life, and we talked about what that was like, and then we moved into talking about what that coming to believe in a higher power means to us so now we're going to talk about how coming to believe in, in a higher power has helped us to move out of that disarray of the undirected life and into a life of relative sanity and hope <laughs> i don't right. want to jinx myself by claiming to be sane come on right.
2: now <laughs> better off than before for sure <laughs> um well it, again it's it's a has been a progression and it's an ongoing progression. I really prefer language about around expansion yes. like rather than hierarchy because yes. it's so easy and I do this all the time um always sort of discerning things by you know what's higher than what what's mm-hmm. more expensive or less expensive you know, and it starts with a kid, who's older and who's younger, right? Because yeah. that's a big deal when you're a kid. Yeah. That hierarchy of someone that's two years older than you when you're eight is a huge, huge difference in what they're allowed to do in the world and the yeah. power that they have. And same thing from six to eight. Anyway, uh, so it's a progression. I like to think of it in terms of an opening or an unfolding and expanding. And like we were saying, it started with a fairly intellectual or a head understanding of God, which for me has a purpose, an important purpose in everything as a guiding factor. You know, we, we, we've shared already and you um, talked a lot about how it's the experience that matters and the ideas are there in service to the experience and the ideas change if there's a um, you know a discrepancy a or something between uh, the experience and you know what the words are what the idea is or whatever I'm, I'm remembering a, a teacher had mentioned a, a book on birds by Audubon right isn't that James is it James Audubon yep where when it said you know uh, we've we've done our best to be accurate in this book but uh if you find there's a discrepancy believe the bird
3: right? that's cool
2: it's not the bird that's wrong it's the book that's wrong right it's the idea that oh wrong. i like it's that not the experience believe
3: the bird <laughs> yeah
2: believe the bird uh and so um the idea of God more than experience, but that moved into the experience of God with unity's prayer and meditation practices, which Mm -hmm. are very, very simple. Mm -hmm. And as as simple as the, the most, almost at this point, it seems generic mindfulness meditation. It's it's simply an exercise in awareness. It is so very, very simple. But when I was, when I discovered that and became willing to do it, things started to change yeah and i wasn't changing them and i didn't feel like any cosmic hand was reaching down and rearranging things things just started to be different my life experience began to be different uh simply from me spending time in that kind of contemplative prayer and i find um as a a co bible nerd with you and a co theology nerd when i see things in the gospels like all you need is the faith the size of a mustard seed mm. and in and the in the the analogy with the yeast right bread needs the yeast but it's not equal parts with the flour in fact it's a very very small amount um that all of a sudden starts to make a lot of sense relatively mm-hmm. small amount of time spent in uh, open awareness to the best of my ability um of what what is has a remarkably huge effect you said oh. earlier that you kind of open the door a crack and the spirit comes rushing in yes. way out of proportion with what i did yes you know i take a step toward the spirit the spirit comes running toward me yes and i see that in every way everything from the mustard seed to the to the yeast those teachings when i see that that tells me jesus knew this yeah he knew what was going on i know that he knew Mm -hmm. i can see it a mile away in what he what is shared uh in the gospels it's just astonishing to me
3: Yeah, it really is. And isn't that wonderful that we don't have to work that hard to find God? We just have to do a little bit and then God does, like we do 1% and God does 99%. And I think that that's just the nature of things is we are hardwired as human beings to seek God. We are hardwired to experience divinity. It's just, it's part of our nature. We don't have to work that hard at it. It's more a getting out of our own way, getting Out of all of the man made stuff about God that actually, you know, can help, but can actually impede our understanding and our experience of God if we take it as the truth rather than our own experience, you know?
2: Right. The letter, not the spirit.
3: Yes, exactly.
2: Law, so to speak, not the spirit of it.
3: And, you know, for for people who are interested in, you know, doctrine and orthodoxy and such, it's blasphemous to say this, but really everything that's ever been written about God by any religion is someone's experience of the divine put into words. And it's not that it's not true. It's that, that particular expression of God and, and God is expressing and being experienced, you know, infinitely and, whenever we try to talk about it or explain it or share our own experience, we're pointing at the tiniest fraction of it. You know, so it's like when, when people say, well, to me, God is blah, blah, blah. I go, well, God is that too. Well, but to me, God is blah, blah, blah. Well, God is that too. And that, and that, and that, and that, and all of it. And that's our unity understanding, right? Is that God is the all in all God is all that is. And that's a pretty, uh, what do you call it? Um, deceptively simple. Yeah. You know, because when I really began working with unity's first principle, so it's really easy for us to say, Oh yeah, God's everywhere. You know, God is, you know, God's everywhere in the universe. When I really began to work with that, um, you know, this idea that God is literally expressing through everything and everything everyone, everything I see in the universe. I did a thing where I started trying to like go through my day like that, like looking at everything around me and going, that too is God. You know, that beautiful bird flying overhead, that too is God. That dirty homeless person on the sidewalk, that too is God. This little baby in the stroller, that too is God. This, you know, whatever, everything I saw, just like, look, just go and take a walk down the street and try and see everything in front of you as being an expression of God. It blew my mind and um, continues to blow my mind when I do that. But that really expanded my understanding of what God was, because whatever we try to think God is, we always fall short because it's just... God is so vast, it's hard for our human brains to wrap around it.
2: Not even possible, really. No. So I like that you use the word
3: expansion because I'm constantly expanding and expanding to include more of what I think God is in my concept. I'm always making it too small, you know, always making God too small. It's like God. I'm holding God like God is this little marble and God is everything, you know, but the human brain boggles but we can stretch our understanding by doing that you know this yeah. too is god
2: yes i agree and, and not and...
3: just to the beautiful and pretty and likable things <laughs> right you know what so i mean all, because that's, that's limiting it yeah start to try to see god in people you don't like and things you don't like in parts of nature maybe that aren't your favorite that too is god you know yeah.
2: that'll yeah, really expand that. You know, there's a couple I'm going to get a theological for a second, a couple of words um, that have been helpful to me in describing, you know, if I if I if you will, sort of God's essence. And it's that God is imminent in the world. God is part and parcel wound up in everything. everything. And that's what you're talking about. Everywhere I look, God is active in that space in that place in in whatever it might be but once again there's more to it than just that mm-hmm. it's not that's not the only thing that god is god also right. in the other word is transcendent god right. is imminent everywhere always and god transcends the world as well that's that kind of unlimited upside if you will the the thing where we try not to put god in a box right let's kick out the walls and and leave expansion room
3: yeah. and
2: not try and uh define the spirit too closely so that would
3: be panentheism is that right panentheism
2: yeah yeah the idea that god equals the universe wh- which is em- imminent you know is pantheism right. and you know christianity is not pantheist paganism is and wicca and stuff like that which is yeah. cool but um christianity is actually classical theist which is still even a little bit different from panentheist but panentheism is where it's at that's a god yeah. that's imminent and transcendent yeah. a god that's interwoven inextricably with everything but is not the same as everything mm-hmm. but is still present in anyway that helps me in very much the way that you were describing that uh, god is everywhere always god is within me and within you when i turn to god within it's not because that's somehow better than god's expression or presence anywhere else that's just the where we overlap, right? I'm not in you. And so I can't experience God in you. I turn within to experience God within myself. But then having done that, and, and this is something that happened to me as I began, as I practiced these things, began to see the presence and power of God in others in the recovery community specifically. Mm-hmm. You talked about seeing everywhere, and I agree and concur with that an early experience of mine was specifically in the recovery communities, Mm -hmm. because I was really focused on that, you know, I was at a meeting every single day, at least for a year, Mm
0: -hmm. early
2: in, in recovery, and uh, was really noticing what was going on, and, you know, kind of what other people were like, or who was I resonating with, who seemed to really have something that was appealing to me, you know, we talk Mm -hmm. about that, and take what you like and leave and leave the rest. So I began to see the presence and the power of God and others in the community. And that sort of helped me with that expansiveness. It's not all about me. I'm not God. Right. Right. But I am an expression of God exactly as you are. And as everything else is that I can uh, perceive.
3: You know, you talked about Christianity being more classical theism, which is God out there, right? God in the other. Is it's that... a real. It's
2: a mix. It's really, yeah. really hard to make a statement that's true across the board. But that, right. yes, the classical theism is what you're likely to hear in in that sort of the orthodoxy.
3: So, in unity, as you and I love to discuss endlessly, uh, we have we've really sort of tried to get away from that. But in that quest, have often overcorrected so that we see God exclusively within right?
2: Oh, right. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So I love, there's, there's a a wonderful article that can probably be found online by um, someone that we both love, Robert Brummett, um, called the three faces of God. And he talks about that, you know, that there are three faces of God. There's God that is everywhere present. There's God that is present within. And then there's God that is, in so there's okay i'm not explaining it very well there's god in me god in you and god everywhere right so the it. first that's a, yeah, second yeah, and third that's a, okay that's it. so we tend to over focus typically in unity on the god within because it has been yeah. historically ignored so
2: we, we err on that side yeah we
3: err on that side so that's important because typically you know traditionally There hasn't been a focus on God within, but it can be overemphasized so that we forget about God without, right? So if God is only in me, that's not going to help me love my neighbor. I need to remember that God is in everyone else and everything else, too. That, to me, is what is deeply moving when I try to see God in it's not, maybe, you know, everyone is different. For some people, it's very hard to see God within themselves. And so they need to really focus on that so they can evolve that first face yeah. of God understanding. Um, for me, I'm deeply moved by the God that is within everything else. I'm deeply moved by seeing God in other people, by seeing God, especially in nature, um, especially trying to see God in people that I am not terribly fond of, one of the most mystical and expansive experiences i've ever had was the first time i participated in what we call in unity an angel walk where we form two lines down the center aisle and usually the prayer chaplains or someone and the congregation is invited to walk slowly through the lines and um, those of us who are forming the lines are giving affirmations and so when i first did that I quick said to God, what am, what am I supposed to say? What's my affirmation? You know, what am I supposed to tell these people? This is really weird. And immediately I got a classic unity line. I behold the Christ in you, right? I don't know where that came from, except we used to sing that song back in the day from the wings of what's the wings of song hymnals. And so I started saying, I behold the Christ in you to each person as they passed by. And as some folks came through that weren't my favorite folks, people that I'd had maybe conflict, personal conflict with before or personality clash or whatever. And I, to the best of my ability, said to them, I behold the Christ in you. And, you know, maybe put my hands on their shoulders or something. Whoa, that blew my mind, Dan. I'm going to tell you right now, that blew my mind. And now that seems like so basic. This was meant, this was at least 10 years ago, but that was really the beginning of just the beginning of blowing all that open for me, that it's not just for me to behold the divine in the people that I like, or the pretty parts of nature that I like. Can I behold the divine in the person I don't even like? That person that just rubs me the wrong way, that just bugs me no end. When I try to behold the divine in them, that really expands me quickly.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think that I, I agree, at least I see in the world an over... Okay, so we're talking about balance, right? The spirit that I experience within me, the spirit I experience in you, and the experience in the Grand Canyon, you know, the world, everything, right. all this. And uh, it seems to me that, uh, at least in where I was up brought, the, um, the presence of the spirit within me was not anything I ever heard about. It was mainly God in the third person, God mm-hmm. out there. Right. And God in you, not so much either. Yeah. And so <laughs> we, we come into balance by learning about and practicing and increasing our awareness of the spirit within ourselves, which to mm-hmm. me helped me very easily then see it in other people. But as you pointed out, it's really important not to um, go out of balance the other way. Mm-hmm. Just like, um, you know, we could look out at some spiritual communities and and they're doing amazing things in the world, right? They're out there um, feeding people and providing uh, comfort and things that people need and, you know, talking about like uh, blankets and clothing and warmth and, and all of that. And those are wonderful things to do. And it's outward facing service, Mm -hmm. which I think is really important. But to me, it needs to be supported by Mm -hmm. inward facing reflection. And so ideally, those folks could come more into balance by uh, turning within and strengthening Mm -hmm. that part. But we, on the other hand, can get so we can get fall in love with the mirror. You yep. know what I mean? With the spirit within me, I'm so great and all that sort of stuff. And and yes, I am an expression of God. And maybe I grew up in a way where I got the opposite message. And so it's very, very important for me to strengthen that piece. But I still need to balance the other way. So I need to remember things like I in this, this is the perfect way I found this this for me the perfect way of saying it. This is what a sponsor used to tell me. If I shared that I was feeling down, he would say, What have you done for other people lately? Yep. And the answer is always nothing. <laughs> Not a whole nothing. lot. <laughs> I've done jack squat for yeah. other people. I'm all in my me-me-me world. Well, no wonder I'm feeling down. I don't have to do much. Um for other people to start to come into balance again. And so we're all subject to going out of balance. We go out one way, others who see a different way go out of balance a different way. We all have room for expansion within us. And I don't think anyone's right or wrong. Uh, I like to think that we can all become aware of all aspects of the spirit Mm -hmm. and what i need to do there is what from the famous quote from gandhi be the change well why don't i do it first instead of pointing fingers you know those people should do this oh really go to the mirror and say that yeah okay what what should i be doing yeah. forget about them i don't have control over them let me think what what can i do yeah to come into balance that's what i need to do that's my work
3: Yes, absolutely. Balance. And um, this is a lifelong journey, you know, and when I think about, you know, like a prayer or meditation practice, um, if we're truly seeking to know all three faces of God and to expand our understanding and our connection with each of those, then we need to practice that as well, right? Like sitting in quiet meditation, that would be more of a first face of God experience, right? I'm experiencing God within, I might also be experiencing that third face of God, that God everywhere present. When I do more, quote unquote, traditional prayer, talking to God, so to speak, then I'm experiencing that second face of God, the God of relationship, which I think we, we tend to be a little afraid of in unity, you know, like that's somehow not higher consciousness or something. And I think that this is really a shame because some of my deepest, deepest experiences have been in those talking to God moments.
1: Right.
3: Um, And, you know, that I vow relationship, I, I, the, you know, being in relationship with God. And I believe that that's what Jesus taught was that there was this father within, without, everywhere present that we are in relationship with. You know, now human beings, we only seem to be able to conceive of relationship with other human beings. And so we immediately think that if we have that relationship with God, that we're seeing God as, what do you call it, androcentric or whatever. Yeah,
2: anthropomorphized, superhuman kind of. Yeah, and
3: it's like, no, but, you know, that's how I experience God, by being in relationship with God. It's all very complex, but the bottom line is that. Do it all, you know, <laughs> do it all meditate, right. pray, sing, be in nature, just throw a little bit of all of it in there. There's no right way. It's just, you know, constantly being on this journey to to experience more of the divine. Yeah, it's
2: one foot in front of the other one day at a time.
3: Absolutely. And
2: there's a there's a path for you that's unique to you all you got to do is stand up and start to follow it and you will find everything that you need well we've said a whole lot about this and we like at the end here to step back and if we can find a simple way to to sum it up give sort of the elevator pitch version of it so reverend michelle if somebody came to you and they were having trouble with this whole higher power you know we hear in the rooms the whole god thing was a problem right if they're having uh trouble with the whole higher power concept but willing to be open what would you share with them that has worked for you if you had one minute to yeah. hand them a tool a suggestion or what have you
3: i mean i think i kind of just did with that idea of like try a little bit of everything there is no right way to practice spirituality and there are so many different types of practice i i Do all kinds of prayer, all kinds of meditation, Uh, There's spiritual music, walking in nature, all of it, you know, just do all of it. And, and remember this idea that we've talked about today that God, the God that we are seeking is always seeking us too. So all we have to do is open that crack and spirit is going to do the rest. It's not hard to find God, you know, we just have to open the door a crack and we will find that spirit comes rushing in.
2: Yeah, that's been my experience as well and continues to be. Um, I guess my answer to that, um, you know what what would I share briefly? First and foremost is to stay open, stay open to all possibilities. Uh, It helped me pay attention to what others are saying Mm -hmm. because I am constantly learning things from other people, just because someone says something doesn't mean that it's right for me or that I need to take that belief on. But if I listen to other people, especially other people in recovery community, I will very likely start to hear things that do resonate for me that I can sort of put in my own toolbox, if you will. And then the last part of it and this is so much easier to say than to do don't hurry don't worry and be willing to believe yeah that's all that's all it's so it's so simple in concept but it's hard for us complicated humans with our busy busy minds yes you know to uh to do it's a lot easier said than done
3: so just like you said at the beginning be in the now and one be day at now. a time be here now yes don't well we worry, have
2: an... don't worry
3: yeah exactly so we have an affirmation for you today which is this i open my heart and mind to believe in a higher power that works for me
2: and once again i open my heart and my mind to belief in a higher power that works for me and of course knowing that that can change yeah well it has happened again you've given yourself the gift of another hour listening to spirit of recovery or at least we like to think of it that way and we're grateful that you have we hope you have found something in all of our blabbing today that will be genuinely helpful to you in your own recovery thank you reverend michelle as always for our fun discussion and thanks to all who are listening to the podcast via spotify apple podcast google play stitcher and tune in. And listeners, be sure to check us out on the archive on unityonlineradio.org. There are several years of Spirit of Recovery podcasts available to listen to anytime you choose. And as always, we bless you wherever you are on your own recovery journey.
3: Yes, and listeners, please remember that you can connect with us on our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery, throughout the week, where you can drop us your thoughts and feedback and comments. We'd love to hear from you. And as always, we invite you to join us again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central. And until then, don't drink like my co-host.
2: And whatever you do, do not drink like my co-host.
3: Instead, have yourself a wonder-filled week.
2: Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio,
0: the voice of an awakening world. Hi, I'm Liz Winter, and I have been a medium and a spiritual development teacher for over 30 years. On my podcast, All Aboard the Medium Ship, I want to share the message with you that there is a wealth of love and comfort available to you from the spirit world. On my podcast, you can experience this comfort and peace for yourself through gentle guided meditations and helpful messages. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you never miss an episode. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.